0: CHAPTER 55 OF THE ROOTS OF THE MOUNTAINS BY WILLIAM MORRIS THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN DEPARTURE FROM SILVERDALE On the morrow of the morrow were the Burgdale men and they of the shepherds gathered together in the market-stead early in the morning, and they were all ready for departure. And the men of the wolf and the woodlanders, and of all the delivered thralls a great many, stood round about them, grieving that they must go there was much talk between the folk of the dale and the guests and many promises were given and taken to come and go betwixt the two dales there also were the men of the thrall folk who were to wend home with the burgdalers and they had been stuffed with good things by the men of the kindreds and were as fain as might be as for the sunbeam she was somewhat out of herself at first being eager and restless beyond her wont, and yet at whiles weeping ripe when she called to mind that she was now leaving all those things the gain whereof had been a dream to her both waking and sleeping for these years past but at last as she stood in the door of the moat house and beheld all the throng of folk happy and friendly it came over her that she herself had done her full share to bring all this about and that all those pleasant places of Silverdale, now fully of the goodly life of man, would be there even as she had striven for them, and that they would be a part of her left behind, though she were dwelling otherwhere. Therewithal she said to herself that it was now her part to wield the life of men in Burgdale, and begin once more her days of a chieftain and a swayer of the folk, and the life of a stirring woman, which the edge of the sword and the need of the hard hand-play had taken out of her hands for a while making her as a child in the hands of the strong wielders of the blades so now she became calm once more and her face was clad again with the full measure of that majesty of beauty which had once overawed face of god amidst his love of her and folk beheld her and marvelled at her fairness and said she hath an inward sorrow at leaving the fair dale wherein her fathers dwelt and where her mother's ashes lie in earth. Albeit now was her sorrow but little, and much was her hope, and her foresight of days to be, though all the dale, yea, every leaf and twig of it whereby her feet had ever passed, and each stone of the fair houses, was to her as a picture that she could look on from henceforth for ever. Of the bride it has to be said that she was now much mended, and she caused men bear her on a litter out into the market-place, that she might look on the departure of her folk. She had seen face of God once and again since the day of battle, and each time had been kind and blithe with him, and for iron face she loved him so well she was ever loath to let him depart from her, save when folk might was with her. And now was the alderman standing beside her, and she said to him, friend and kinsman this is the day of departure and though i must needs abide behind and am content to abide yet doth mine heart ache with the sundering for to-morrow when i wake in the morning there will be no more sending of a messenger to fetch thee to me indeed great hath been the love between me and my people and naught hath come between us to mar it now kinsman i would see Goldmay, my cousin that i may bid him farewell for who knoweth if i shall see him again hereafter then went iron face and found face of god where he was speaking with folk might and the chieftains and said to him come quickly for thy cousin the bride would speak with thee face of god reddened and paled afterwards but he went along with his father silently and his heart beat as he came and stood before the litter whereas the bride lay clad all in white and propped up on fair cushions of red silk she was frail to look on and worn and pale yet but he deemed that she was very happy she smiled on him and reached out her hand and said welcome once more cousin and he held her hand and kissed it and was nigh weeping so sore was he beset by a throng of memories concerning her and him in the days when they were little and he bethought him of her loving-kindness of past days beyond that of most children beyond that of most maidens and how there was nothing in his life but she had a share in it till the day when he found the hall on the mountain so he said to her kinswoman is it well with thee yea she said i am now whole of my hurts he was silent a awhile then he said and otherwise art thou merry at heart yea indeed said she yet thou wilt not find it hard to deem that i am sorry of the sundering betwixt me and burgdale again he was silent and said in a while dost thou deem that i wrought that sundering she smiled kindly on him and said gold my playmate thou art become a mighty warrior and a great chief but thou art not so mighty as that many things lay behind the sundering which were neither thou nor i yet said he it was but such a little time agone that all things seemed so sure and we to both of us was the outlook happy let it be happy still she said now begrudging is gone belike the sundering came because we were so sure and had no defence against the wearing of the days even as it fareth with a folk that hath no foes he smiled and said even as it hath befallen thy folk o bride a while ago she reddened and reached her hand to him and he took it and held it and said shall i see thee again as the days wear said she o chieftain of the folk thou shalt have much to do in burgdale and the way is long yet would i have thee see my children forget not the token on my hand which thou holdest but now get thee to thy folk with no more words for after all playmate the sundering is grievous to me and i would not spin out the time thereof farewell he said no more but stooped down and kissed her lips and then turned from her and took his ways to the head of the host and fell to asking and answering and bidding and arraying and in a little time was his heart dancing with joy to think of the days that lay before him wherein now all seemed happy so was all arrayed for departure when it lacked three hours of noon as folk might had promised there were certain light wains drawn by bullocks abiding the departure of the host and of sumpter bullocks and horses no few and all these were laden with fair gifts of the dale as silver and raiment and weapons there were many things fair wrought in the time of the sorrow the henceforth should see but little sorrow moreover there was plenty of provision for the way both meal and wine and sheep and neat and all things as fair as might be and well arrayed it was the shepherds who were to lead the way and after them were arrayed the men of the vine and the sickle then they of the steer the bridge and the bull and lastly the house of the face with old stone face leading them the sunbeam was to journey along with the house of the steer, which had taken her in as a maiden of their blood and though she had so much liefer have fared with the house of the face, yet she went meekly as she was bidden as one who has gotten a great thing and will make no stir about a small one along with her were woodfather and woodmother and Woodwise, now whole of his hurt, and woodwants and bow save bow they were not very joyous for they were fain of Silverdale, and it irked them to leave it. Moreover, they also had Leafer have gone along with the house of the war leader. Last of all went those people of the once thralls of the dusky men who had cast in their lot with the Burgdalers, and they were exceeding merry, and especially the women of them, they were chattering like the stairs in the autumn evening when they gather from the fields in the tall elm trees before they go to roost. Now all the men of the dale, both of the kindreds and of the thrall folk, made way for the host and its havings, that they might go their ways down the dale. Albeit the woodlanders clung close to the line of their ancient friends, and with them, as men who were sorry for the sundering, were Wolfstone and Godswain and Spearfist. But the chiefs they drew around folk might a little beside the way. Now Redcoat of Waterless, who had been hurt and was now whole again cast his arms about Folkmight, and kissed him, and said, All away hence to Burgdale will I sow with good wishes for thee and thine, and especially for my dear friend God-Swain of the Silver Arm, and I would wish and long that they might turn into spells to draw thy feet to usward, for we love thee well. In likewise spake other of the Burgdalers, and Folkmight was kind and blithe with them, and he said, friends forget ye not that the way is no longer from you to us than it is from us to you one-half of this matter is for you to deal with true is that said Redbeard of the knolls but look ye folk might we be but simple husbandmen and may not often stir from our meadows and acres even now i bethink me that may is amidst us and i am beginning to be drawn by the thought of the hazel whereas thou and therewith he reddened i doubt thou hast little to do save the work of chieftains and we know that such work is but little missed if it be undone thereat folk might laughed and when the others saw that he laughed they laughed also else had they forborne for curtis's sake but folk might answered nay chief of the sickle i am not altogether a chieftain now we have gotten us peace and somewhat of a husbandman shall i be moreover doubt ye not that i shall do my utmost to behold the fair dale again for it is but mountains that meet not now spake face of god to folk might smiling and somewhat softly and said is all forgiven now since the day when we first felt each other's arms yea all said folk might now hath befallen what i foretold thee in shadowy vale that thou mightest pay for all that had come and gone if thou wouldst but look to it indeed thou art angry with me for that saying on that eve of shadowy vale but see thou in those days i was an older man than thou and might admonish thee somewhat but now though but a few days have gone over thine head yet many deeds have abided in thine hand and thou art much aged anger hath left thee and wisdom hath waxed in thee as for me i may now say this word may the folk of burgdale love the folk of silverdale as well as i love thee then shall all be well then face of god cast his arms about him and kissed him and turned away toward Stoneface and Hallface his brother where they stood at the head of the array of the face and even therewith came up the alderman somewhat sad and sober of countenance and he pushed by the war leader roughly and would not speak with him and now blew up the horns of the shepherds and they began to move on amidst the shouting of the men of silverdale yet were there amongst the woodlanders those who wept when they saw their friends fairly departing from them but when they of the foremost of the host were gotten so far forward that the men of the face could begin to move lo there was reedsman with his fiddle amongst the leaders and he had done a man's work in the day of battle and all looked kindly on him about him on this morn were some who had learned the craft of singing well together and knew his minstrelsy and he turned to these and nodded as their array moved on and he drew his bow across the strings and straightway they fell a-singing even as it might be thus back again to the dear dale where born was the kindred here wend we all living and liveth our mirth here afoot fares our joyance whatever men hindred through all wrath of the heavens all storms of the earth O oh, true we have left here a part of our treasure the ashes of stout ones the stems of the shield but the bold lives they spended have sown us new pleasure fair tales for the telling in fold and on field for as oft as we sing of their edges upheaving when the yellowing windows shine forth o'er the night their names unforgotten with song interweaving shall draw forth dear drops from the depths of delight or when down by our feet the grey sickles are lying and behind us is curling the supper-tide smoke no whit shall they grudge us the joyous undying remembrance of men that put from us the yoke when the huddle of ewes from the fells we have driven and we see down the dale the grey reach of the roof we shall tell of the gift in the battle-joy given all the fierceness of friends that drave sorrow aloof once then we lamented and mourned them departed once only no oftener henceforth shall we fling their names up aloft where the merriest hearted to the fathers unseen of our life days we sing then there was silence in the ranks of men and many murmured the names of the fallen as they fared on their way from out the market-place of Silverstead. then once more Reesman and his mates took up the song. Come, tell me, O friends, for whom bideth the maiden, wet foot from the river-ford down in the dale? For whom hath the good wife, the ox-wagon laden, with a babble of children, brown-handed and hale? Come, tell me, for what are the women abiding, till each on the other aweary weary they lean? Is it loitering of evil that thus they are chiding, the slow-footed bearers of sorrow unseen? Nay yet were they toiling if sorrow had worn them, or hushed had they bided with lips parched and wan: the birds of the air other tidings have borne them: how glad through the wood goeth man beside man. Then fare forth, o valiant, and loiter no longer than the cry of the cuckoo when May is at hand: late waxeth the spring-tide, and daylight grows longer, and nightly the star-street hangs high o'er the land many lives many days for the dale do ye carry when the host breaketh out from the thicket unshorn it shall be as the sun that refuseth to tarry on the crown of all mornings the midsummer morn again the song fell down till they were well on the western way down silverdale and then reedsman handled his fiddle once more and again the song rose up and such like were the words which were borne back into the market-place of silverstead and yet what is this and why fare ye so slowly while our echoing halls of our voices are dumb and abideth on the the brand, the holy and the feet of the kind fare afield till we come for not yet through the wood and its tangle ye wander now skirt we no thicket no path by the mere far aloof for our feet leads the dale road out yonder full fair is the morning its doings all clear there is nought now save our feet on the highway delaying save the friend's loving kindness the sundering of speech the well willer's word that ends words with the saying the loath to depart while each looketh on each fare on then for nought are ye laden with sorrow the love of this land do ye bear with you still in two dales of the earth for to-day and to-morrow is waxing the oak tree of peace and goodwill Thus then they departed from Silverdale, even as men who were a portion thereof, and had not utterly left it behind, and that night they lay in the wild wood, not very far from the dales' end, for they went softly, faring among so many friends. End of chapter 55